Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, welcome to the Mom Manual. This is Tara Williams today. I have a very exciting guest. Her name is Nikki Ramsey and she is the founder of Genobi. It is an eco-friendly, plastic-free breast milk storage bag solution. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us, Tara. We're so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on because I don't think we have ever talked about breastfeeding, which is crazy in a motherhood podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about your company and how you became a breastfeeding expert? Absolutely. So uh, Janobi was founded out of a need that I had for myself. Um, I just had a baby and I was going through thousands of these single use plastic breast milk storage bags and really wanted a safer and more of an eco-friendly way to store my breast milk. So uh, of course I do what all moms do. We go right to Amazon or Google (laughs) to find an option. And of course it did not exist. So I started doing my work and we did a pre-sale in November of 2019. And that's how we got started. You actually have like a really similar story. And it's just so funny because before the podcast started, we are like, oh, you know this person and I know this person. And we launched September, 2019. So almost at the exact same time and same thing. It was out of a need as a mom, my baby wouldn't sleep. I was looking for a solution, created dream on baby. You are seeing, and I remember because I, I worked through all my pregnancies and through, you know, breastfeeding. And I did breastfeed all four of my kids. And when you say thousands of bags, like you were not kidding thousands of those little plastic bags. My thing seems pretty straightforward. It's like, Oh, okay, here's a material. I can just fill it with some, you know, beads and wait. And now I have it, but like, well, first off, how did this not exist really? But how did you create this? So I knew I I needed a product that was going to be similar in size to your standard Uh, traditional plastic bags. So, okay. I wanted something that would hold a little bit more breast milk and also something that was going to be able to withstand the high heat because we are heating breast milk up several times a day for baby. And, um, we have to, you know, make sure that the plastic isn't leaching into their milk. So I I wanted something that was going to be a good material. So I chose silicone and pretty much I got my, my pad, my sketch pad out and my my ink pen. And I started drawing the, how I wanted the bag to look. And it's kind of funny because I wanted the bag to be designed as like a silhouette of, 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 of a mom, pretty much like the silhouette. Yes. Of a woman, you know? And, um, yeah, so that's how I, I designed it. I found an amazing engineer and we, got our CAD drawings together, sent some um, samples or sent the CADs to a manufacturing facility in the U.S., but that ended up not working out. So we eventually ended up going overseas and found a really um, awesome company that we work with overseas now. That's amazing. Okay. We could talk about this all day and we're going to talk after the podcast (laughs) ends, but let's jump into your um, expertise as a, as a breastfeeding expert. I mean, you own a business now, of course, you know, everything about it. What is your first takeaway for our listeners? Absolutely. Breastfeeding is 
such a beautiful journey. And I always tell moms, you know, even though you want to breastfeed, if your breastfeeding journey takes an unexpected turn, that's okay too, because you're going to still be able to provide your baby with that precious liquid gold that your body was made to create. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as I have four kids, but being a first time mom, I almost think about breastfeeding as when you have the baby, right? You go to the hospital, you have this perfect birthing plan. I mean, some people have music for the soundtrack and the time it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have an emergency C-section and it's like, wait a minute, I did not want any of that. So talk to me about your own breastfeeding journey, because it was not as from A to Z straightforward, right? Right. Yes. So was not A to Z at all. Had this baby. And so my background, I have a master's degree in communication sciences and disorders. So I deal a lot, you know, in the healthcare setting with babies that may have tongue tie, lip tie. Right. Okay. So when my, when my own baby presented with a tongue tie, lip tie, of course, (laughs) you would expect to know exactly what to do. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Um, My little guy was Born and he had a tongue tie lip tie. He was nursing all the time because he was so restricted. He had such a tethered upper frenulum and, and his uh, lower tongue was very restricted. And as a result, my body literally thought I was feeding three babies. Oh, so yes. So he was having a challenging time with his latch and he was just super tight because his body was just working so hard to get that milk out. And eventually we were able to resolve the tongue tie lip tie, but after each breastfeeding session, I also had to pump. So here I am thinking I'm going to just be like exclusively breastfeeding at least until I head back to work for maternity leave. And that was not the case. We were dealing with his tongue tie lip tie. We were also dealing with me having to pump and being super engorged because my body was just in overdrive with making so much milk. It was quite the fun experience. (laughs) But then you get into that cycle, right? Because because you're pumping, then you're telling your body to make more and then you have to keep pumping. That happened to me too, which actually ended up being okay because my milk supply drained off. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, So then I had some extra, but going back to the tongue tie, lip tie. Okay. This is really embarrassing. And I was actually thinking, how do I phrase this? For anyone who doesn't know me, um, how do you identify a tongue tie lip tie? So if there's a listener that's like, I think my baby might have that, like, what, what does that mean? What is that? Does it, do you physically see it or can you tell us about it? Yes, absolutely. So uh, typically when you are assessing um, an infant for a tongue tie lip tie, you will look at their upper lip area and there is a piece of skin that connects the upper lip to just above like the maxillary area, the maxillary area, the bone, you know, between the teeth. And if that skin is just too tight, if it's tethered too tight, it causes a major restriction on the upper lip. And in the case of the tongue, it's the same thing. It's called the frenulum. That skin that tethers the tongue to the floor of the mouth is going to be tethered too tight. So if the skin is tethered too tight to the floor of the mouth, the baby is not going to be able to retract the tongue very well, to elevate it and things of that sort. 
in order to get the proper position that they need to attach to the breast um, in the right format to, to get that milk out appropriately. They literally cannot latch, right? Literally, yes. Literally, it's too tight. So when you think about it, it's just thinking about either the lips just being tethered too tight or the tongue being too tight to where they can move it the right way. Right. And if they're not moving it to latch appropriately, then they're not going to be able to effectively drain the breast. So they're going to always be like nursing all the time. So what is, is there a surgery that needs to be done or how do you uh, Yeah. Yes. So when he was about six weeks old, we went to a pediatric dentist and they actually do this and they have no sedation or anything. Ooh. Yeah, I know yeah. they do a laser. They do a laser. Okay. They give them no innocent than a knife. <laughs> yeah, definitely better than a knife. Um, but they do this little laser. They just like flip that lip back and they get that laser out and they start to just burn away that extra skin. Ooh. It's quite an interesting procedure to see. I'm sure. So, and then afterwards you do uh, exercises because you have to do your exercises with them afterwards to make sure that that skin doesn't like grow back. Oh, wow. Okay. So after they have the procedure, is it smooth sailing? Well, there's the exercises, but and all of a sudden can they latch and everything's great? Or is there still kind of a learning process? Definitely a learning process still, because you have to keep in mind, the baby has, their body has been so used to being so tight and tense and their mouth has been so used to latching in this certain format. So you have to kind of train the baby now on latching the right way. You have to get their bodies ready for it. So sometimes babies may need body work from like a physical therapist Um, or yes, so that they may need a little bit of body work and that will kind of help just get their bodies relaxed and enable them to, to nurse more effectively. Yeah. And I'm sure with your work, I would assume you guys, we work with lactation consultants quite often besides a tongue tie, lip tie, what are some other things that are preventing, you know, a a beautiful nursing experience that, that are those barriers from either baby or mom? Well, sometimes babies can be born with a cleft uh, palate or a cleft lip. Sometimes if they have a receding jaw, that can help, you know, that can impact a lot. If you have a baby and they are aspirating, say for example. So if they're nursing and they're constantly getting milk and it's going down into their lungs, or if they just are coughing a lot, they're gonna continually latch and then they'll, you know, um, unlatch themselves. So that can cause a lot of disruption during the nursing session. Yeah, I actually had that with my second daughter. We were super nervous um, because she was doing the, kind of the coughing and like choking a little bit. I remember we, we brought her for, I think she got an x-ray at like two days old. Cause they just, they, they thought maybe something wasn't fully formed. I think regardless, whatever, even if your baby doesn't have something like a, a cleft palate or a tongue tie, it's never easy. Like it's, you know, we, we think, I don't, I don't know where the education on breastfeeding was, but it is never easy. Even being, you know, second, third, fourth time mom, it's, there's just, it's, it's just hard. It's learning curve. Yes. It does not matter. I feel like it doesn't matter how many times you breastfed, like every baby is going to be different. I, I was literally just um, helping a friend whose baby is six days old and this is her third baby. Yeah. And th- he was having issues with latching and yeah. So I um, agree with you. Every baby is definitely different. 
Okay. And then if you do figure out how to successfully connect and then you go back to work. So tell us if if you work, tell us what your second takeaway is for those working moms. Okay. Tip number two is always get with your employer and let them know that, Hey, I have this breastfeeding plan. Um, I'm going to be breastfeeding my baby and making sure that they can help accommodate you on your nursing schedule. So you're going to need about 15 to 20 minutes to pump and you're going to need a safe private space to pump and just sharing that you have that in place. I always tell moms that that's so important and stick to your pumping schedule. I know some moms are working in hospital settings and those settings require you, you know, to have a 12 hour work day. If you're going to be working in that type of a setting, I recommend getting a wearable pump, something that you can just like wear. Yeah. Something that you can just like wear and kind of be a little bit more on the go. Yeah. And sticking to your pumping schedule, just as if you were going to be at home feeding your baby. That way you can ensure that you're going to maintain your milk supply and um, that's not going to be dipping or anything because a lot of times when moms transition back to work, they see a dip in their milk supply because yeah. they're, they're trying to still learn, you know, they're learning how to do the routine of pumping and um, working and being away from their baby. Okay. The whole wearable pump thing is beyond genius. They, that did not exist when I had my kids. Um, my son was born in 2018. Maybe it was out when he was born. I don't, I don't remember it, but I think one of the benefits of COVID is that a lot of people now are working from home. So of course it's really easy. You're in the privacy of your own, you know, office at your home or the kitchen or, you know, wherever you are. But I, I remember when I was, when I had my first and second daughter, I was traveling for work and this was 2012, 2013. And I would go to airports and there were no pumping stations. I would literally wow. get off like a two hour flight. And I had the, the one that plugged into the wall. So I had to find an outlet. I'd be literally standing in a public restroom in an airport pumping in public and like all, oh my gosh, I'm like going to get emotional. You know, all the women mm-hmm. would kind of give me that, like, oh, you're, you know, doing great. Like keep it up. Um, oh, it, yeah. it just wasn't, there was no accommodations for it. And I actually worked in, um, I would assist in surgeries in different hospitals, like all around the country. And so the great thing about that was they did have beautiful nursing lounges at the hospital. So then I would go from that to I'd be like, excuse me, where's your nursing lounge? Because I'd be, I'd go to the mother baby unit and it would be like, you know, incense and a candle. And it was just, it was kind of top notch, but Then with my second and third, I was again, really traveling. And now at this point I was, I wasn't in hospitals as much. I think I'm now seeing more these pods in airports that are for breastfeeding, which is great. Yes. But you know, if you are working in an office, which I never have done, but I can imagine that I I would think at this point there's accommodations, but I, I absolutely agree with you. If there's not, I mean, there's nothing more stressful then going back to work and trying to figure out like, am I going to be in the bathroom? Is my boss going to hear me? Is, am I okay? Is it, you know, do you know if there's kind of like labor guidelines around this now? I, I know so much has changed over the last few years. Definitely. They have a lot of labor guidelines, but believe it or not, in 2018, I found myself pumping in, in meetings because if I, I mean, I have to go to this meeting and I try, I was a traveling therapist. So I would, I would have to go to the meeting, pumping in the meeting, um, pumping in gym closets. Like it was insane. Yeah. And 
thank goodness they have these federal laws now that your employer has to provide reasonable accommodations at least for the first 12 months of um, breastfeeding. And it, it can't be a restroom. It can't be a gym closet. It has to be a reasonably accommodating space. Yeah. This, I feel it's, it's a game changer for women because I mean, it provides us with that dignity that we deserve as women. Um, I mean, we are nourishing these babies and I feel like they deserve to have a respectable, comfortable place to uh, provide that food for the baby. Yeah. And it's, it's almost a, it's almost an oxymoron because our society, as much as we want to say, you know, formula feeding and breastfeeding is the same and we know it is, but there is still a stigma to this day that breastfeeding is best. And, you know, you're, you're less than if you can't produce or if you choose formula feeding, but then we go to work and there's no accommodations to help us continue breastfeeding. And we have to go back to work at, you know, two, three months. So it's, it's, yeah, that's definitely, that could be a bigger conversation. Do you want to bring us to our third takeaway? Yes. Tip number three is maintaining your milk supply when you're headed back to work. So earlier, I really touched on the fact of making sure that your employer is accommodating for your your pumping space and, of course, taking your reasonable time to pump. The biggest thing that I see is women not doing that. They're not taking the time to pump every two to three hours, and then they see that milk supply dip. So just really sticking to your guns and sticking to your schedule and knowing that you are doing this for your baby and this is your baby's sole source of nutrition, right? Making sure that you're pumping every two to three hours while you're working and storing your breast milk in a safe space. Um, Yes, that will definitely help you maintain your milk supply. And once you get home from work, then you have a chance to do your skin-to-skin contact with baby. And of course, you can do your direct nursing that you would do otherwise on like a weekend. So I, I think the, the two to three hours is definitely the most imperative piece. And when I look at myself, when I went back to work, I think my milk pretty much like by six months wasn't gone, but it was, it was really, it wasn't enough to feed the baby. I had to supplement. And my first daughter, in fact, she started rapidly losing weight at six months and we couldn't really figure out why. I mean, she had been, she's like a hundred percent height and weight always. And she went down to like, I mean, she's still at, you know, 90, hundred percent height, but her weight way dropped. It went down to like 30, 40%. And we were like, Oh geez, like what's going on. And I, I didn't realize that I just was not, cause you it's, if you're breastfeeding, it's hard to actually gauge how much they're getting. So I didn't realize that my milk supply had gone down so much. I thought it was only going down while I was pumping. And, and then as soon as we introduced formula at nine months, she, she shot right back up. But, you know, I think when you are going back to work and, and for me, it was, I was pushing it way longer than two to three hours. I was going four hours, five hours sometimes just because I was busy and I was wow. doing stuff, but that, that was, I think my biggest thing. Um, but tell us about, so you know, talking about storing your breast milk, is there, do you bring coolers? Like what, do you have any tips for that is, you know, think about people who are flying or even somebody in an office, like, how are you getting it back and forth? Is there an easy way to survive breastfed? (laughs) There is an easy way to do that. And let me tell you, so I struggle with this as well because I was traveling to six different sites through the weekday. I had issues with keeping my milk cold. Mm. So 
if I would, I would uh, oftentimes have like, say a refrigerator to put the breast milk in, but then the refrigerator temperature couldn't keep the milk cool enough. So then the milk, of course, you have issues with the bacteria growth that could be in the milk. So one of the, one of the other things that we did, is, and, um, and this is like brand new for your podcast listeners, Ooh. we, yes. So we have this product that we're launching. It's a breast milk cooling cup. It's battery operated. And it will provide moms the ability when they are traveling to keep their breast milk cold. So instead of using the ice packs, the old kind of traditional way, I guess moms probably know they, um, you know, provide a lot of instability with keeping the milk that's going to be chilled. Yeah. Chilled enough because the ice packs melt right over the day. If you, you know, of course are having issues with your ice packs melting, then a breast milk type cooling cup of some sort is going to be another alternative for you that you can travel with. And it can be TSA approved, of course, because that's always a really big thing with uh, TSA is making sure that it's approved. (laughs) That is absolutely genius. Like a cooling cup, battery operated, that is genius. I can't tell you how many times I would board a plane and I would have, I had a whole bunch of milk bags because I'd go away for, you know, two days at a time or something. And then I would get ice from like a restaurant before and it'd be melting on the plane, like such a nightmare. A cooling cup sounds amazing. The other thing <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about is as you get home, you will then feed your baby um, by rest if you choose and then continue pumping. But do you think once you go back to work, like, do you guys recommend doing additional feedings at home to keep that supply? up or is there any, do you alter that in any way? So typically uh, a, a woman's breast milk supply will be established by four to five weeks. Hmm. So if, if you're at four to five weeks, your body has recognized, okay, like this is how much uh, milk I need to make because this is how much the baby is requiring. I always recommend for moms to kind of start pumping just after say a feeding. So make it first thing in the morning, because that's when your milk supply is the greatest in the morning. And you're going to, you're going to nurse baby directly before you head to work. And then maybe you're going to jump in the shower or something. And then after you jump out of the shower, then you're going to pump for about 15 minutes and just take that extra milk that you're going to be using to pump with, take that extra milk and just put it in the freezer and just kind of start slowly building a freezer stash. That way, um, that way, when it's time for you to head back to work in 12 weeks, you, um, or, or, you know, six weeks or 12 weeks, um, you will have a little bit of just like a reserve if you were to need it. And you saw that dip. Now, if you have an issue, any issues with like a, a supply dip, what you can do is you can start adding extra pumping sessions after baby nurses and do this for about three to four days. We call it cluster pumping or power pumping. And you're going to power pump and this will help to trigger your body to say, wait a minute, you know, we need to make more milk. So let's, let's get this, you know, milk production machine going. If you notice a a dip in your supply, there's always a way to try to fix it. Okay. This is such a fun conversation. I think this was honestly like the most informative. I have pages of notes, supply dip, when milk is bad, you know, all the things. So um, (laughs) we will make sure this is all included on the show notes for anyone who's listening. Absolutely. We have a quick fire round and we're going to ask you a couple fun questions. Don't be nervous. Okay. You ready to jump in? Ready. Okay. What are you currently binging on TV? 
I am currently binging, um, what is it called? Bachelor. Oh my gosh. Yes. Hulu. Hulu. Oh, Hulu. Okay. They're all back. Um, what is the most recent book you've read? I read the Bible. So, I I mean, that's the most recent, that's the most recent book that I've read. (laughs) I love that. Um, what's your go-to productivity app? I love grow with Joe. Well, she's like a fitness influencer. So I'm really big into, you know, fitness and building the menu for my food and everything. So you have to kind of like categorize the food and picking the right uh, meals to make and stuff. It's, it's a big to-do, you know, yeah. <laughs> staying on the nutrition train is a big to-do. I love that. You know what? I don't think but she has a great app though. Yeah. I don't think anyone has described like a, a food and fitness app. I follow this one. Um, Oh, what is it called? It's called like the beach body guide, I think, but it's similar. And I never do the food part, but I do the workouts. And I, I that's, I love that. I was just reading that food actually is like 80% of losing weight is the food. And then 20, 20- you got it. You're right. Sorry. Sorry, ladies who work out and then eat all your ice cream. You have to choose your food wisely. Um, okay. <laughs> Last question. What is your go-to de-stressor? My go-to de-stressor is of course a massage. I love that. That's what I love to do. It's necessary. I'm sorry. I need a massage. It's so necessary. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everybody find you and learn more about your company? Um, they can find us on Instagram at Janobi Bags. We are, of course, very active on TikTok at Janobi and on um, Facebook. Awesome. All right, Nikki. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Bye.